Hello, Jonathan here, and welcome back to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by 4constructionpros.com, covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. This episode continues my interview with Ron Stupai, Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for the North American Division of Building and Infrastructure and Bureau Veritas. We featured his thoughts on the current trends in part one, and I wanted to switch to his insight onto the major challenges of the construction industry. This is part two of a three-part series. Now to the interview. I'd like to take these challenges and kind of flip the coin and to pick your brain on how you've seen the industry overcoming these. Um, one of them is kind of evolving our work scopes. What do you mean by evolving our work scopes? So I think in today's environment, uh, given the rapid change, whether that's in supply chain, whether that's in labor, um, I think there is a an overwhelming need for speed and pace. We, we, we have to define a scope and execute that scope as quickly as we can before the environment changes, whether that environment is physical from a supply chain or labor perspective or capital, you know, my dollar, my, my budget situation has changed either through a rising construction cost, or I was going to take debt for this particular project. And now my interest on that loan is dramatically different today than it was a year ago. So I think one of the, one of the key components we have learned is, is the nimbleness of we, if we have a project now, how do we get it done or at least started this quarter, this half of year, not, uh, so we, we say a lot of our clients, you know, they, they used to have a one, two, three, four year plan. It yeah. used to be pretty steady. Now it's, we have a six month plan or we have a quarterly plan that we're, that we're looking at because the environment is changing so rapidly. And so I think it's important for us as service providers in this space to be able to, um, you know, react and, and be nimble with that um, to, to help guide our clients to, to make the best decisions for them, for themselves. I think one of the other changes we're certainly seeing is, more of a reliance upon external partners like us because again when they need resources or subject matter expertise the the old method of i'll just hire somebody internally to go do that i think doesn't yield quick enough results and they may not still have the right subject matter expertise and so um i think the partnership model again between government and, and organizations like ourselves to help augment their teams private development and private construction whatever the case may be i think they are more reliant upon external partners than they ever have been uh, just for that variable um, ability to be able to dial up resources when they need them and if something goes on that a project is delayed for three years, right? There's not, there wasn't a burden. I'll stick with JFK as the example, right? There wasn't a burden that someone was carrying our costs, right? We had to go do something else with the, with that JFK team. Um, and so there, there was no internal cost to 
the government, the, the investment group, whatever the case, they just said, hey, we're not ready for you yet. We want you, we need you, but not now. So that was our challenge to go manage through that. But they they knew they if that was an internal function, they would have had no doubt of, you know, let those people go in some way because they couldn't carry them for three years either. So I think that partnership uh, and, you know, from our perspective, engaging earlier in the process is is really more important than ever as, as a true partner. Sure. I feel the term doing more with less can be a little binary. I'm a, I'm a tech nerd a little bit, so yeah. I, I like using binary as a term. <laughs> on one hand, it's the same job, but you know, with a less of a workforce. But on the other, it's this. There's this meeting meaning that provides an opportunity for force multiplication and building smarter. How can we leverage data collection and tools like drones and robotic technology, like you mentioned before, to help the BNI industry for 2023 and beyond? Uh, that's, that's a great question and a key component of our growth strategy going forward. And so, and it's exactly that is, what, how can we leverage technology, whether it's robots or drones, a 3D VR, whatever the case may be, to gather not only the information that we are sent for, you know, that's required for this specific project, right? So if you, if you think about, um, you know, a retail store that's going to be remodeled in some way, um, we may be looking at one part of the store right, to, to remodel, whether it's for a new display, maybe it's a new food court, maybe it's a restroom remodel, maybe it's new check stands in a retail environment, right? But in the past, we used to maybe do it at a large store. We may touch that store in some way three or four times throughout the year in the different departments across what I just talked about, right? Now it's how can you have fewer store touches throughout this, the course of the year, and gather all of that information. So let's look at the restrooms. Let's look at the front end checkout counters. Let's look at the food court. Let's look at, you know, this department electronics remodel or a lumber remodel or whatever the case may be all at once and plan those as one larger project uh, so that we are, are more efficient, right? We're yeah. not sending contractors out to the same store to actually what I'll call four small projects how can we be more efficient by rolling it up into, you know, one larger project that that doesn't disrupt the store as much as as much as we used to? So, in in my mind, as you think about doing more with less, it's how can you combine and gain efficiencies throughout that that project from a budgeting perspective? So, take the physical construction aside and stick with my example. Um, you know, if I can budget one pro four projects, but just do it once for corporate approval and those types of things that say, instead of having four projects that are $250,000 each that I need to go get approved, how do I get one $1 million project approved? Um, you know, how, how does, so that's doing more with less. So I, I just think it's about being more efficient in planning, being a little more, uh, having a little more foresight into really what we want to do. Again, that's where our, our capital planning business comes in to help, you know, real estate owners look at their portfolio sites and say, here's really what you need to do over the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years 
how can we help you plan that better? So it's so you know if you if you have five roofs to do, let's let's plan for that to to execute this in the most efficient way rather than five independent roof projects. We yeah. have five parking lots or five parking decks or whatever the case may be, right? It's those things always need touched. How can we plan a little bit better? I think one of my favorite aspects of planning and all of the elements in advance as far in the future as possible, uh, as far as new construction goes or renovations, is that wireframe doesn't go away. Those blueprints in the back in the day, they got rolled up and you know filed away or something like that. But um, you could re- revert to them. But in like a virtual reality setting or just technologically on your laptop, um, you can take that wireframe and drill down and you can see where that foundation is being placed and how it got done and say, oh, there's going to be a problem here with this new idea. Maybe that electronics department needs this little extra more foundation. We need to adjust this. And one of the things I went to a uh, 3D concrete printing project and Mm -hmm. I was asking a lot of questions. And one of the things was they need to think of every single element ahead of time before anything got delivered on site. Every single decision needed to be made because once that machine starts, there's no turning back. It's point of no return. So your idea of planning and getting all of these ideas ahead of time and thinking and finding efficiencies. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that's going to be a real big uh, factor yeah. in getting yeah. us out of the troubles that we're in. <laughs> yeah. Particularly, I mean, new constructions to a certain degree, it's easier because you're starting with a blank slate. So obviously, you know, in theory, the Lego pieces ought to fit together in the right <laughs> way, right? But, and that doesn't always work, but hopefully it does. But, you know, the reality is most of the things that we work on are existing in some way, right? We're retrofitting energy projects and new mechanical systems. We're retrofitting windows. We're retrofitting more, you know, technology capabilities into a building in some way and so again that's where i think things like drones or 3 dvr that can do a, a you know a fly by or fly through a building and convert that into a drawing that again multiple people can use so rather than having it sit solely with an architect who's focused on a structural or or mechanical electric plumbing aspect you can send that off to the it group to say how is all your new cabling or you know, IT needs, how can they be accommodated in this space or can they, you know, as you think about other external vendors that may need access to that, um, how do you share that information and data with them so that they know in your, like your example, that when they show up, these are the conditions that are going to exist. So the, the, the BIM, you know, the Autodesk BIM modeling and those types of things uh, are starting to become really prevalent. I think the rest of the world uh, particularly Europe and Asia are a bit ahead of us in that space in terms of, of BIM modeling and, and, and so on and so forth. It's a much more common standard in those two continents than it is here today. We, we have a tendency to do it here 
more so on new construction or something that's really cool and different like a museum or you know a university building or a shopping mall but not for the standard office building and if i look at our counterparts around the globe it's much more common as an industry standard and practice in Europe and Asia to to do that virtually on every project as opposed to the exception project. Well, I think one of the well, obviously the one of the challenges is the labor and getting more people into the construction industry. Yeah. And I, I know personally, because I am a, a younger generation, um, the technology aspect has definitely gotten me interested mm -hmm. in working and allowed me to work from my home. Um, how do you think we can get more young people involved in the construction industry? Because if we start pushing more construction into the IT group, then they're just going to be in the IT group and not actually in the, you know, manning the skid steers and the excavators, if you will. Yeah. So again, for us, we're trying to be very deliberate about educating further deep, deeper into high schools, right? So we, we sponsor a number of STEM competitions around the United States to help promote, um, you know, scholarships and cash awards to help promote them to, to allow, you know, more access to colleges and universities and trade schools. But I think, you know, we in the industry have a need to overcome some of the legacy you know, associations of, you know, how can I earn a living for my family doing this? It's really hard work. Of course it's hard work, but most, most jobs are hard work. Right. So, um, I think, I think it starts by educating and say, Hey, here's a real need. And here's what the reality of the economics can be, you know, in this industry. And I, I think people are surprised at the, at the income, you know, someone can earn doing, doing many, many jobs in our industry. Um, and so I think it starts educating at the high school level if you can, and certainly, again, partnering with, with select colleges and universities, as many as you can. I say select because you can't go to all of them, but, um, you know, and say, hey, look, here's a real need for us, right? And and how can we work together in, in getting those universities to, to get excited around that background? But I think it's, I think a lot of it starts with changing the, the perception of what building an infrastructure or what construction really means. Sure. Do you know you can be a drone operator, right? On a, in the construction industry, do you know you know that you you can use technology to accomplish a lot of work? That you do you know that you have to have the ability to read construction drawings? That's part of the construction industry. It's not just the person swinging the hammer or turning the wrench on the construction site. There's all these other aspects around the construction industry that can be quite lucrative. And I think a lot of that is, is the edu education part. of it. Yeah. And, the, and there's that pride of seeing that building and saying, I had a hand in that. I built yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I'm the perfect example is I happened to be in New York City earlier this week and I landed in LaGuardia. And as I walk through, there's a there's a fountain that comes down from the ceiling that's kind of like set to music. Think of a reverse Bellagio where instead of shooting up from the ground, you know, in the fountains in front of the Bellagio, it actually comes from the ceiling and it's set to LED lights and some music and things like that. <clears throat> and I remember hearing from our team, you know, quite the challenges of getting that to work in the ceiling of an airport 
Uh, and so literally as I was walking through there on, on Sunday night, I stopped, which I would have never stopped before. It's something just, but I understood all the complexities that went into that, that fountain and getting it to work correctly and so on and so forth. There was about 20 people gathered around this fountain, standing there watching it. And I thought, that's really cool that we have yeah. a role in that in some way to make that work. And here it is on a random Sunday night in November, and there's 20 people kind of gathered around, you know, watching it. So that feeling of pride certainly was there for us. And I think, you know, the more you can tell those stories, that motivates people as much as the financial side of making your mark on society and making your mark in the industry and having pride saying, yeah, I, I worked on that in some way. Yeah. Right? So kind of some cool stories behind there. And I think if you're driving around um, as a, a, a civilian, if you will, um, and you see a house, um, you can actually start to think about all of the contractors that went into the, the making of that house, the building of those buildings, the construction of that high rise. And yeah. you could say, I had a hand in that. This is a really cool industry. I know personally, when I was growing up in high school and college, nobody came to me and said, hey, the construction industry is a, is, has an element for you. There's something here. And I, I think that needs to be starting to change. I think somebody needs to raise their hand and say, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, you could put your block in. Yeah. <laughs> you could be a part of yeah. it. I mean, I, I think through conversations like this, I mean, if I, if I look at electric vehicle charging, right? Yeah. That's transforming, transforming the automobile industry. You know, in some ways, as much as, you know, the combustion engine versus the horse, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever it's been. And, and, you know, some may say, ah, maybe not quite as much, but I think it's really there. And to be able to say to somebody, Hey, I was, I was around and had a role as, you know, we made a change in this energy consumption of the world and moved it over to this new method that is now the standard for the you know, next foreseeable future, I think is a, is a really cool story to tell, but I, I do think it's about, education and then letting people know there the construction industry is such a broad um atmosphere that you know it's it's so much more beyond just we got swinging a hammer turning a wrench i you know i certainly didn't think i would be in the construction industry when i went to school and uh here i am 30 you know 30, 30 some years later firmly in it and it's obviously worked out and i've enjoyed it but to me, it was about getting exposed to that and saying, hey, this is kind of interesting and then continuing down that path. So, um, you know, I was not someone that grew up saying, hey, I'm going to be in this industry and here's why. It was an opportunity that I got exposure to that started to pique my interest and get, learn a little more and learn a little more and say, hey, there's there's some really cool things going on in here. So I'm a prime example of that, of through, through education of and just awareness, it became a really appealing industry to me personally. All right. Let me end this section of this three-part series right there. Before we go, I'd like to thank Ron for taking the time to speak with us. And thank you for listening. Tune in soon for part three, as I ask about what Ron sees as upcoming opportunities for the construction industry. I enjoy talking about people's predictions for the future, 
what it's going to be like, where things are going, et cetera, et cetera. But rest assured, it's not flying concrete delivery trucks. It's more like data center constructions, energy and efficiency, and where the infrastructure bill is taking us. Until next time, stay safe out there.